Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I had a little spoiler there for you. If you're watching on stream, I'm Michael Rockman, joined by Bailey Kumar, and we are excited to have you guys on this Monday. So we're hoping to lift your spirits because we know that the week ahead can be tough. So Bailey, first and foremost, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing all right. You know, obviously we got plenty of more off-season blueprints to do today. We got some very exciting ones with two teams that are in very similar positions with the Washington football team and the Chicago Bears, both teams that really have a solid roster all around, maybe more so to the Chicago side I would lean in terms of just overall balance in the roster. But I'd say Washington football team definitely has a lot of great studs on the on the line, on that defensive line, and hopefully they can get a QB in place and compete next year. But both teams really in need of that quarterback spot. How crucial do you think it's shown – that the QB position is when both these teams are just as good as they are, but don't have a QB to really excel and let them get further up in the standings. I mean, we kind of saw we're both, um, both of them towards the end of the year and their uh, performance in the playoffs that they have great defenses, but they really don't have the QBs that measure or stack up or that can carry them further. So as long as you are running guys out like Mitch Trubisky or Alex Smith, you're not going to get that deep in the playoffs. You're going to keep continually being divisional round or wild card uh, losers. So it is so crucial for teams like these to get a QB that they can build around. Absolutely. And, you know, picking at 19 and 20, the QBs aren't just going to be those top-end options. You know, you look at guys like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, they're going to be gone. You know, there's chances that a guy could slide like a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones, and we'll talk about it for one of these teams. Uh, I have them picking one of them, but really, ultimately, there's a lot of free agency work that has to be done. There's a lot of trade work that has to be done for these teams. If they can't draft a quarterback, do you think that the market right now is good enough to where they could find a QB that's going to help them take that next step? In terms of free agency, probably not. Because when you look at the free agent QBs, I like Dak is probably going to stay in, uh, on the, with the Cowboys. The next best free agent QB is like Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
there's not a lot of options or availability availability there on the free agent market. So you have to either find one through a trade or through the draft. And I can see both of these teams doing taking that route. And, you know, if they were wanting to move up, it would definitely cost a lot of value in terms of draft capital, maybe a young player to go along with it as well. If you are a team like Washington football team or the Chicago Bears, especially the Bears where Coach Nagy and GM Ryan Pace are likely in their last year, would you consider paying the price to move up or would you just stick to your guns and try to stay where you're at? It's kind of hard, especially in the Bears case where they just gave up the two first rounders for Khalil Mack to come all the way up from 20 down to like six or seven kind of jump the Panthers who are kind of projected to take a QB to go get your guy. It's going to cost a lot of capital. And I don't know if the team is solid enough around them that they can just go get their QB and worry about the rest later. Yeah, I think I agree with you. There's still some holes on this roster to where a QB is going to help a lot, but it's not a solve all. You look at receivers like Allen Robinson could be hitting the market. I think the bears based on rumors and Twitter speculation, just haven't even really been offering them. There's money that they can create, but they don't have a lot of spending space. So if they do go and get a quarterback, it could severely limit their options of pursuing other positions. But let's dive into it now, and we're going to start off with the Washington football team. We're going to look at their mock draft, and they get Mac Jones in this one. At pick 19, I think that's a very good range for where he should go. And, you know, you talk about Mac Jones. He maybe doesn't have – the mobility of some of the top quarterbacks in this class, but he definitely has some great touch, great ball placement, and he seems to read the field very well. There's definitely flaws. You know, his arm isn't the same rubber band type arm that maybe a Trevor Lawrence offers. He doesn't move around like a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. He definitely has his limitations, but at the same time, he's shown time and time again on tape to be a very smart processor. He puts the ball in very nice places. He leads receivers well. He throws with great anticipation. Mac Jones with that first pick, I think, is a great pick for Washington. Ron Rivera, I think, has a very long leash at the moment. So getting a rookie QB and maybe, you know, dealing with the rookie blunders in that year one is going to be okay for a team like Washington football team where a lot of their talent is as young as it is. Bailey, what do you make of this Mac Jones pick with the first round? So if you're taking a Mac Jones type QB, you ideally have to put him in the right situation. He's not like a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields where you can just drop him on any team and there's a pretty good chance he's going to succeed. He's not really the type of QB to elevate his wide receivers to play better than they are. And so when you draft Mac Jones, you need to make sure the team around him is solid, that you give him enough weapons, you give him enough time in the pocket, and then he will produce. He has the capability to produce, but the team around him has to be pretty solid in order for him to do so. In that second round, I have them going Dylan Moses, linebacker, again out of Alabama. You know, I would feel bad about double-dipping at the same school, but Washington has a tendency to pick Alabama players, so why not? We look at their needs, and linebacker is a big one. So there's a lot of linebackers in this class in that second, third-round range that they could go with. Dylan Moses is one that was a hyped first-rounder entering the year, has shown some troubles on tape in terms of processing, just in terms of not having that same athleticism that was shown before after coming back from injuries. Dylan Moses, though, still is a very high upside prospect. And in the right system with the right team, if he finds success early, he could very well develop into a huge steal in this class. 
I know you and me are both still big fans of him in terms of what he can become. Dylan Moses in that second round for the Washington football team, I think, provides a lot in terms of meeting a need, getting a high-end player that you can really look back on and say that was an amazing pick, and also getting a you know position of value that is worth it in that second round. What do you make of the Moses pick? I'm a big fan of Dylan Moses. I think that a lot of the issues that he shows on tape and that pe- problems people have with him aren't going to really impact him for the role that he's going to play in. They say, yeah, he's a slow processor. But you're using him more as a downfield linebacker, like I feel the Washington football team would use. He's going to excel so well there. He's such a violent player. He's so athletic. He's so good at finding the holes in the defense and just hitting so hard that he he's going to succeed day one. I feel comfortable putting Dylan Moses in that linebacker spot, you know, putting him at the Sam or Will linebacker and say, hey, go downfield and go tackle him. And I, I – don't think there's any other linebacker in the class that you could really say that about. In the third round, I have him going Elijah Moore to fill in that slot spot. Yes, Steven Sims is a fine wide receiver to have as your third option, but I think getting a guy like Elijah Moore in the third round is a great value pick, and you get a slot receiver that I think is someone that's going to, in hindsight, be one of the better receivers in this class. Right now, you know, a lot of people are going to have – a lean to the athletic guys and the guys that are, you know, six foot and making these big jump ball catches. But Elijah Moore just consistently wins from the slot. And I think in the NFL, that'll be more of the same. I compared him to Cole Beasley, where you really kind of see that quickness and that production. And while he may not be noted as one of the top receivers in the NFL, Cole Beasley is still a very productive weapon there in Buffalo and a huge part of their passing attack this season. Elijah Moore in Washington, I think, would be huge for Mac Jones and huge for the football team in general. With the next third-round pick, I have him going James Hudson, offensive tackle out of Cincinnati. While I think that they will address the position in free agency, getting a guy like Hudson that can play tackle or play guard is absolutely huge. Getting some youth on that offensive line and trying to find some potential long-term pieces to protect your quarterback in Mac Jones, I think Washington – has a lot that they can address on this team, but a guy like James Hudson does a great job of hopefully filling in at either that tackle or guard spot of the future and being a big piece of the line and their long-term projection. In the fourth round, I look at Hunter Long, tight end out of Boston College. Logan Thomas is fine, and I think he will be back as a starter next year, but you look at Hunter Long, and I think you can get a developmental piece at that tight end spot, a potential future tight end that really can come up and start over Logan Thomas and allow Logan Thomas to more just be that receiving weapon that he kind of is. In that fifth round, I look at Robert Hainsey, a guy that's played right tackle for Notre Dame, send him inside to the guard spot. I think that's where he projects better based on his size, based on his overall length. And you can really start to see that, you know, college play where he was a great right tackle in on that offensive line at the inside. And you get to hopefully get a great steal at the guard position late in the draft, round five, which would be absolutely huge. In the seventh round, I have him going Garrett Wallow, linebacker out of TCU, and Patrick Johnson, edge out of Tulane, two defensive players that I think can contribute in terms of adding depth to the team and hopefully being able to come in and fill some of those missing pieces. You know, Bostic may be gone, and Ryan Kerrigan is likely gone as well. So getting some depth to come in as a rotational piece and hopefully finding more snaps as the year goes along 
this could be a great Washington football draft. And Bailey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So I think the most interesting kind of, the most interesting pick is Elijah Moore. Because when you talk about a prospect like Elijah Moore and how dynamic he is, the the biggest thing people are always going to say is that he's five nine, which kind of makes him limited to playing the slot only. And when the Washington football team runs a lot of three wide receiver sets. But when you do run the two wide receiver sets, are you feeling confident enough to put Elijah Moore out there to maybe block on some of the running plays to go, you know, kind of make be win with strength. And I don't know if you can, he's obviously a great fit next to Terry McLaurin kind of give the offense uh, more threats on all three levels of the field. But I'm not sure if um, how great of a pick he'll be there. Uh, I certainly do like him. I think he's going to be a great slot receiver. I just you need another piece next to him. He can't. I don't know if he can be a true wide receiver too, but if he is, you need a wide receiver three, kind of like a bigger guy. Uh, moving on to James Hudson, like you said, he's more of a developmental guy. I don't like him as a starter day one, but if you can develop him, maybe clean up his technique and his footwork a little bit, I definitely do think that he could be a starter in the league. I agree with you absolutely. And on in regard to. Elijah Moore, I do have the Washington football team going out and acquiring another weapon, so he would be that wide receiver three of the bunch. Let's go ahead and jump forward and take a look at that offense. Mac Jones at QB. At running back, we got Antonio Gibson. In the wide receiver room, we got Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel being acquired through free agency. I think with the Ron Rivera ties, that's definitely a possibility, but also just a perfect fit in that offense, getting another speedster that can – push the ball deep, can work underneath if needed. And really, I think this wide receiver room is vastly underrated because McLaurin is one of the best young wide receivers in the entire league. And then Curtis Samuel, for what he is targeted, is one of the most efficient wide receivers when targeted. So, you know, adding him to that room with Elijah Moore, I think you're getting a much better receiving core than what you were dealing with last year at tight end. Logan Thomas is back. Bailey, in terms of skill position players, QB through tight end, what do you think of this team and how much better is it from last year in comparison? This is pretty uh, heads and shoulders better considering that Cam Sims isn't in your top three wide receivers. Um, Curtis Samuel is kind of like the perfect guy to put next to Elijah Moore and Terry McLaurin. He has the deep field threat ability. They use them on the jet sweeps as running back sometimes. And, you know, this is a very vertical offense, and that's kind of Mac Jones' strength when you see him in Alabama, you know, making the big plays, throwing it deep, beating defenses with your speed and your vertical ability. And then you got Logan Thomas uh, kind of, you know, controlling the middle of the field. I don't want to say too much, but this kind of reminds me of the Chiefs' offense a little bit with its <laughs> vertical strength. You know, Logan Thomas, that's kind of your bargain bin Travis Kelsey, is looking good. And we got a comment from the comment section do you worry about not having a true uh, red zone jump ball threat in that wide receiver group? I mean, you definitely do, but you then you have Logan Thomas there, who's kind of been a reliable red zone target for them. But you definitely do need a, a big body receiver there. I think Calvin Harmon's still on the team, isn't he? It's pretty big. Put him in yeah, the Calvin uh, Harmon's still there. Uh, Steven Sims would be a backup there. And, you know, Antonio Gibson can contribute to this wide receiver room very much as well. He's hopefully going to be developed as a runner, but definitely going to add in the receiving category. And we have a, another comment section, Borat voice, that offense looks very nice. And, uh, you know, obviously a much improved unit 
on the offensive line, Alejandro Villanueva, Wes Schweitzer back at left guard, Chase Rulier at center, Brandon Sheriff at right guard, and Morgan Moses at right tackle. This offensive line still has question marks. You know, Schweitzer may not be the long-term left guard for this unit, but having a piece like James Hudson, piece like Robert Hainsey, hopefully you can get some more youth in this line. The big questions are, you know, what they do at left tackle and will they bring back Brandon Sheriff? What do you think about those positions? And, you know, obviously Brandon Sheriff is a talented offensive lineman. I think they know that. It's just the question of whether they'll spend the money or not. Yeah, it's definitely about the cost. When you also bring in Curtis Samuel, he's going to cost a pretty, pretty penny too. So you have to balance your needs. And the defense was great last year. Um, don't get me wrong, but there's still holes on it that needs to be improved. Your free agent money. Sheriff is obviously a reliable guard for you for many years. He has been now, and you need a good line around Mac Jones. Uh, I love the Villanueva pickup. I think he's going to be kind of forgotten man in this uh, in the free agency as a tackle there. There's uh, you can get him for cheap. I think he'll fit in the system well. And yeah, I, I feel very confident about putting Mac Jones behind this line. You know, Chase Rulier is a pretty underrated center, top five guy in the league. And this will definitely give Mac the time and the oper- and the time to operate to hit these guys deeper. And now we move on to the defensive side of things where we look at the unit that really carried this team last year. On the defensive line, Deron Payne back at nose tackle, Jonathan Allen in that three-tech, five-tech spot. Matt Ioannidis not in the graphic, but very much a piece of that defensive line as well. On the edge, you look at Chase Young and Montez Sweat. At linebacker, Dylan Moses, Cole Holcomb, and then Landon Collins dropping down and playing into that kind of money backer position with Cameron Curl really taking that strong safety spot. In the cornerback room, Ronald Darby, Fabian Morrow, and Kendall Fuller really boomed out of nowhere last year, really proving themselves to be a strong cornerback unit. The big need is free safety, and I have them spending again, going again Marcus May out of – New York with the Jets based on rumors. You know, he's very upset with the negotiation process that's been going on with the Jets. Sounds like the Jets may not want to spend what Marcus May is worth. So for that, the Washington football team is able to come in and pick him up. I think getting a free safety is absolutely a huge need for Washington if they want to take that next step defensively. And a Marcus May would be absolutely huge. Bailey, what do you think of this defense, and do you think that this unit can continue their success from last year? Yeah, that's a big question, isn't it? They were certainly played well above what people were expecting them to play last year, and you have to wonder, is it a flash in the pan, or is this a sustained success? You're bringing a lot of the same guys back, and, you know, Ronald Darby kind of have an up-and-down career. Fabian Moreau kind of just like, you know, not that great until this year, and Kendall Fuller up and down as well, and is your money well, like best spent here, you know, just running it back to the same team? Are you confident in the linebacker core to repeat his performance? Are you confident in your CBs to repeat your performance? You know your def- defensive lines is great, and you know that Chase Young and Montez Sweat are, are only going to get better. So the, I think the, the front seven's looking pretty good, but uh, and the, adding Marcus made to the defensive back certainly helps, but I'm not sure about the cornerback room. For sure, and I think one of the big question marks that has come into play with Washington is the talk about the defensive line room, the potential of trading De'Ron Payne 
getting what you can out of him right now while he still has a year left on his contract. You know, in that 4-3, the nose tackle maybe doesn't come in as much as Ioannidis and Jonathan Allen will. So in your mind, do you think trading pain right now and getting value for him is worth it, or do you think they should just reap the benefit of having three very good defensive linemen? You can go either way. Um, I know that you talked about moving early uh, early in the show. You talked about them moving up. Deron Payne could be an option for them as a kind of like an additional piece, a younger player to help offset some of the costs that you know moving up does cost. And maybe they take kind of a nose tackle later in the draft. You just got to weigh how much his production truly means to your team, and how easy is it to find his replacement in the draft for free agency. Now we look at the you know overall projection of this team and they won the NFC East last year but it definitely wasn't pretty there's definitely still some reservations about the Washington football team and question marks surrounding their roster if you were to predict just you know record for the 17 game season and maybe their placement in terms of how far they get through the season maybe division placement what do you think the expectation should be in Washington, and what do you think the true result will be? Uh, if you're a fan of the Washington football team, you got to think that with all your free agent dollars, you're getting a new QB, that your team has to be better. When you add a Marcus May and you add a Curtis Samuel, that, sh- that team has to be better than it was last year, and I don't think it's crazy to say they'll be like 10-7 and seven, uh, or even 11-6 I could see happening. This team is very, very good. And if you add, just keep adding these pieces, keep developing your talent, it's only going to get better. So I feel confident in saying, actually, yeah, 11 and uh, 11 and 6. I'll say 11 and 6. You see, I'm actually kind of on the opposite. I think that the team definitely got better, but there's still huge question marks surrounding this overall unit. I think every team in the NFC East is going to get better over this offseason, which is going to hurt Washington a bit. So I think we're going to be looking – at a nine and eight, eight and nine type year for Washington. And I expect them to miss out on playoffs. Come back, Mac Jones year two. Hopefully they will be able to make it. But I do think that there's going to be a bump in the road for year two of the Ron Rivera campaign. So now we pull away from the Washington football team and we start to look at the Chicago Bears now. You know, we talked about it before, but Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, very much a playoffs or bust type year. Probably needs more than just the playoffs, though. If they make wild card with some QB that they have no faith in, then the questions are still going to be there, and they probably get fired. But if they can find a QB that answers a lot of the playoff woes, the franchise woes, and maybe even the same result, you know, make playoffs, get out round one, but they have a QB that they believe in, then they could find themselves keeping the job. It's very much context-based. If you are a Chicago Bears fan, how much faith do you have in the you know, QB pursuit this year? And do you think that the Bears will actually do it in terms of who do you think they're going to have under center pretty much? I have no idea. Like When you look at the Bears and their cap space situation and their pending free agents – it just doesn't look good. You're going to need a low-cost option at QB, whether that is through trade or through the draft. So I don't really have much faith in them at all, finding the QB of the future in the center. I think this is the last year we see uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace from this team. 
Well, let's just get into it. Looking at the draft, I have them going Rashad Bateman in the first round. With Allen Robinson out the door, I think wide receiver is a big need for this unit. You need someone to hopefully fill in at that wide receiver one spot, and I think Rashad Bateman can do that. While rookie wide receivers are not always the most dependable for production, I do think that he, with Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller, can provide a solid wide receiver room for whoever steps in to that QB spot. In the second round, I have him getting Sean Wade. You look at what the Bears missed with Kareem Jackson, and I think Sean Wade brings a lot of that. He can play slot corner. He can play strong safety. And overall, I think getting a guy like this in the second round may be a little bit unrealistic just because of how high the consensus media seems to have him. Then, you know, they probably are saying this based off of what they've heard from the NFL. But with the down year at his time as an outside corner, I could see Sean Wade slipping a little bit. And in the second round, getting Sean Wade for the Bears would be absolutely huge. Bailey, these are the two big picks of this draft. What do you make of Rashad Bateman round one and Sean Wade round two? Yeah, I mean, Rashad Bateman is definitely going to be a need, and wide receivers definitely going to be a need if they let go of Allen Robinson. The wide receiver core behind them <laughs> is okay. It isn't great. You need another true number one guy there to kind of lead your offense, and Bateman is a great pick. Um, he's just a, just a good wide receiver. There's just nothing – there's just not a lot to say about him. He just does everything so well. Uh, he kind of uh, – I, I was saying this earlier. He kind of reminds me of Justin Jefferson that way, where he's just good at everything. Um the biggest question, though, is, of course, Sean Wade. Uh, he looked so good in 2019 this season. Kind of iffy with the transition to the outside corner. So we might be seeing, like, a purely nickel corner slash safety convert in the future for him. It's up in the air. But with the Bears' history of developing defensive talent, I'm if they think they can unlock his potential to play outside corner, I'd say this is a great pick for him. And we look at the trade details. I have the Chicago Bears sending their third and 2022 third to Las Vegas for Marcus Mariota and Trent Brown, filling in a huge need at tackle and at quarterback. Bailey, as a Titan fan, you know, I'm sure you have your opinions on Marcus Mariota. If he is back, though, if he can play how we saw him against the Chargers, do you think the Bears could be a legit team in the NFC? Yeah, I mean, if you get him back to his, you know, kind of rookie year, second year form, he certainly can lead this team to the playoffs. But, you know, after all the injuries, the the weight gain, I just don't think he can be the same quarterback he once was. I've seen enough Mark Scenario to, to last a lifetime, and I'm just not confident that if you put him under center that he will succeed. But you know what? Matt Nagy is, is genius when it comes to offensive coordinating, in my opinion. And I think that he will figure out a way to effectively use them to his strengths, just the way the Titans could. couldn't, I should say. Well, after this trade, we don't see the Bears until the fifth round, where I have him picking Tommy Kramer, offensive guard out of Notre Dame, getting some more Notre Dame depth on that offensive line. In the sixth round, Cyrus Tuitele, offensive tackle out of Fresno State. Looking at him, I think he has – a lot of upside and could potentially hopefully fill in if, you know, Charles Leno goes down or Trent Brown misses more time like we've seen with Las Vegas. And I think getting some depth at the offensive tackle spot is absolutely a necessity with a guy like Trent Brown starting at right tackle. With the next six-round pick, Quentin Bohanna, nose tackle out of Kentucky. 
With Eddie Goldman gone, they were struggling to slow the run. He opted out, and in turn, they just could not do anything at the nose tackle spot. Getting a guy like Bohanna is absolutely huge. And in the seventh round, Wap Fillier, wide receiver out of Indiana, I think this is another piece that can kind of contribute as a fourth, fifth piece in that wide receiver room. I really like his ability. He's shown some great tape. Had a little bit of a down year in 2020, but I think there's still a lot to like in terms of what he brings to the table. Slot outside option, I think best in the slot. And, you know, for the Bears, what do you make of this draft, Bailey? I mean, this draft is – you're focusing with your draft picks and what you traded with. You're focusing on two kind of main positions here, which is wide receiver and offensive line. Um, Quinn Pohanna is not really going to make – you know, he's like you say, he's going to be behind Eddie Goldman after he unops out and plays for them this year. He's not going to see a lot of playing time. So this is basically just wide receivers and offensive line, which is, you know, if you're a Bears fan and you've watched them play, you would say, yeah, those are your two kind of biggest needs, especially if Allen Robinson's gone. But you're asking the, the, the defense to play the same level they did last year. You know, they have some players are getting older, some injuries and stuff go the wrong way, and this team could very quickly go into dumpster fire territory. They don't have a lot of depth behind them. They're losing a ton of players to free agency. I almost don't want to give Matt Nagy Wap feeler just because of the way I know he's going to use them with all these little like screens and reverses and stuff. But if you're confident and your defense can hold up over the 17-game season and that these new pieces can integrate into your system, this is a great draft for the Bears. This kind of This is the kind of draft that you know, you make, if it's the last year of your contract, it's very boomer bust, I'd say. Now looking at the offensive side of things, the Chicago Bears looking on the offense, you know, Marcus Mariota at QB, David Montgomery at running back, the wide receiver room, young but talented with Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney, and Anthony Miller, and then tight end Cole Komet. There's a lot of question marks about this offense. You know, David Montgomery, can he continue the success that he had last year? Rashad Bateman, can he really be that wide receiver one in year one? Can Darnell Mooney fill in as that full-time wide receiver two? Can Anthony Miller, you know, overcome what is drop issues that he has struggled with at the NFL level? These are three talented wide receivers, but there's definitely reason to be hesitant as your wide receiver room having all three in one year. And then at tight end Cole Komet, you know, the rookie class as a whole kind of struggled at the tight end position but I think Komet can prove himself and be that starting tight end, cut Jimmy Graham to save some money for the Bears. So looking at this unit, there's question marks, but what do you make of the skill position group, and do you think it's good enough? I mean, honestly, this is the first time I'm being negative. I don't think this is good enough. I I don't think that with Marcus Mariota at QB, this team can succeed. And, you know, Rashad Bateman is going to be a great player. He's going to be a great wide receiver, but – I, I just don't have confidence at all that this team in particular can kind of improve on Paul last year. I don't think that Rashad Bateman can immediately fill what Allen Robinson did for this team and can do for this team. I, I just don't I just don't like it. I just don't feel confident in it. I can't say I disagree with you. There's definitely not a lot to work with for the Bears, but I do think that it kind of comes down to what Mariota is going to be for the Bears and what Nagy can get out of him or whoever QB, whoever is playing QB for the Bears next season. Because 
you know, David Montgomery has shown a lot of promise and with an improved offensive line, health on the offensive line, I think he's just going to get better. I think Rashad Bateman is capable of producing year one. We've seen a lot of rookie QBs or rookie wide receivers able to do it. I liked what I saw Darnell Mooney. I think Anthony Miller's a bit underrated. Cole Komet was my tight end too last year, and I like him. It's just going to come down to how much can the QB bring. And while Mariota has had his down seasons, I would like to believe that with a year kind of resting for the most part as a backup, he's able to get healthy and maybe get some confidence back and hopefully become a starting QB that we saw early on in his career. Are there any options on the QB market? You know, Andy Dalton, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith out of Washington. There's plenty of other guys like a Teddy Bridgewater they could trade for as well. That kind of gives you that confidence, or do you think it's just, you know, they need to trade up or else they're not looking good? I mean, when, you, when you're talking about that, the fact that this is probably the last year for them and that they need a QB of the future, those guys. Oh, we lost you. Sorry. Hello? Can you hear me yeah. again? Yeah, I hear Sorry. you. These guys like Andy Dalton, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, these guys have one or two years left of being starting caliber QBs in the league. They're not They're not guys they'd be like, yep, this is our starting QB for the next five, ten years. And I think you got to take a risk, like you said, and say that we can build this team around Marcus Mariota. you got to pitch it to the guys upstairs that this is your new QB of the future. Because let's say you take an Andy Dalton and then – you lose in the wild card again. What are you going to do? You just have a QB room of Andy Dalton and then Nick Foles, and then you're going to get fired. And, you know, if Mariota does struggle, you could always bring in Foles to start. I think he's still in the contract for this year, and maybe he could do better, but it's just kind of underrated what Allen Robinson did for this team in terms of just bailing out some terrible QB play, and that's a lot to ask for Rashad Bateman year one for him to do kind of fill the same role, and – but you're right. If David Montgomery continues to kind of blossom as a running back and Cole Komet continues to develop, we could kind of see the Bears transition to a more run-first team, especially, you know, you got Trent Brown there at right tackle, big guy. You got James Daniel back from injury. If they can kind of shift their offensive philosophy to be more of a run-first team, kind of let Mariota be more of a game manager <clears throat> than a true gunslinger, then, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of like the best-case scenario for them. And looking at this offensive line with the additional pieces, Charles Leno back at left tackle, James Daniels back from his injuries, Cody Whitehair at center, Germain Ifedi signed back as the right guard, and then right tackle Trent Brown acquired in the trade. I think this offensive line is much improved, and it's something that you know the Bears have been struggling to really address for a while, getting a consistent offensive line, health-permitting, what do you think of this offensive line, and where would you say it ranks in terms of just, you know, like the good, very good, elite, you know, where do you put them in, in terms of superlatives? Yeah, but that's what you said, you know, health permitting. You got Trent Brown, Fetty, and Daniels. They are not the guys with, like, the best injury history. Um, if they stay healthy for a full calendar season and just, you know, don't miss any games. This is like a this is a good, this is above average offensive line in the league. This is like a top 15, top 10 line. But it's a big if. That's an if they can stay healthy. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't think everybody in this line can stay healthy with the amount of uh, injury risk they have. Yeah, I sadly agree with you, but I'm hoping the best. Now we take a look at the defensive side of things, and it's the reason that the Bears have had success in the past. 
Akeem Hicks at defensive line, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, a very strong three front at the edge spots. Khalil Mack with Robert Quinn back for another year. Linebacker, we got Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. At corner, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, and Sean Wade playing the slot. Eddie Jackson back at free safety. Tashawn Gibson retained and kept at strong safety. This unit is the reason that they were able to make playoffs. Do you think that there's any reason to believe that they won't be a strong defensive unit again next year? No, there's no question about it. They're, they're going to be strong, incredibly strong. You know, you get Eddie Goldman back from the opt-out list. That's huge. You kind of um, plug up your one hole, which was run defense. Without him gone, it's kind of had a huge Eddie Goldman-sized hole in the middle of the field. And bringing him back should definitely improve that. And you've got, you know, Jalen Johnson kind of emerging. That's kind of a steal, maybe, of that draft in terms of cornerbacks. And next to Kyle Fuller, and Sean Wade at slot corner. This team, this defense, dare I say, would be even better than it was last year. So, you know, we talk about the defense. We talked about the offense. The big question now is what do we see for the Bears? Obviously a very tough division with the Vikings and Packers in there. What do you think of the Bears in terms of projection, where do you think they place in the division? And what do you think a realistic expectation is if you're a Bears fan out there? If I'm the Bears, realistically, I'm thinking your peak is second in the division, another wild card entrance. That's kind of like what this the, the most this team can do. Um, if I were to guess and try to be accurate about it, I would say this is a 6-11 and 11 team, a 5-12 and 12 team. I just don't have confidence in the offense at all. And without a good offense, you're just not going to win football games. And I would say they'd come maybe third in the division, maybe fourth, if the Lions kind of surprise everybody and kind of have a really good offseason, good culture change. But, yeah, this is this is just not, not, a, not a playoff team, in my opinion. Not going to make a deep run if they do make it. Sorry, Bears fans. It's just this isn't it. This isn't a good team. So if you are the owner of the Chicago Bears, right, the the precedent has been set on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy that if they want to stick around, they need to have a great year. What is your, you know, standard that you would need to see as an owner to where you're saying, okay, we're willing to keep you? I think it's a playoff win. One playoff win. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. I don't think they've won a playoff game under this um, this leadership group, right? They lost last year, and then they lost on the double doink two years prior. I don't think they've made the playoffs besides that. And I, I think they beat the out. Rams once when they, when they played them, but I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, I'm not certain either, but I think you definitely need a playoff one just to be like, hey, you know what? We're under control. We know what we're doing. We've got a clear direction with this team, with Mariota as QB, wherever as QB, that you can build the confidence. That's what the main thing is, is you have to build confidence that you know what you're doing and that you have a pretty set directive and future for this team. So looking at it from a NFC North perspective, do you think that, you know, there's, there's so many question marks on this team, you know, and, I guess the question is, do you think that they offer a ceiling that is higher than, you know, a team like the Vikings or the Packers, or do you think they're kind of limited to 
you know, even at their best, they probably aren't capable of matching up with what the best Packers or best Vikings could bring. I mean, when you have a defense like this, obviously your ceiling is going to be very high and you match up against those teams well with your defense, but it's just all comes down to the offense at the end of the day. The NFL is always going to revolve around your offense. And unless you start figuring out, figuring out some stuff very quickly, this team is heading straight to the dumpster fire. Um, got some comments from the comment section. This is a solid four win bears team. And, you know, we know this guy's a Lions fan, so maybe he's hating a little bit, but I, I do think that there are legit concerns about how the bears go about their offense. They have to retain a lot of great pieces, even if they let Robinson walk, there's still some other guys that they need to make sure that they try to get back. But definitely some confidence coming from the division, not something you want to see as a Bears fan. And then another comment, probably a top 10 defense. Yeah, I think so too. I think you could argue top five pretty easily looking at what this unit brings and what they've had to deal with in terms of their offensive support. It's uh, it's a great unit, and now with the cornerback unit getting Jalen Johnson in year two, I think this is going to be a great team. So, one last question before we before we start to sign off. Robert Quinn brought in on this major contract, kind of struggled last year. Khalil Mack didn't turn in the production that we're used to seeing. Do you think Eddie Goldman, back in the middle, is going to play a huge piece for both these pieces to – really elevate their game back to what the expectation is. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, this is kind of like a down year for Will Mack, which was, would be a career year for almost every other edge. Um, and I definitely think when you add Eddie Goldman there, his presence in the middle, him as a run stuffer and penetrator, that it makes life so much easier for Will Mack and Robert Quinn. But this Robert Quinn contract might turn out to be a disaster for the Bears, might quickly, you know, um, they might have to cut him after next year if the, he continues to disappoint like this. And it's, it's like I said, it's a very big boomer bust year for the Bears. Where it's going to set the direction of the franchise. They're either going to, you know, be a perennial playoff team after this year or start a pretty long rebuild. And there's pretty much no in between. I think I absolutely agree with you. And one more comment section mention we have they need to trade for Watson or a winner like Jared Goff perhaps the question is can they really afford to give up as much capital to acquire a guy like that do you think if the Texans come calling you know they say we need your first second third this year first second third next year and first second third the year after that is it worth it for the Bears and I I mean obviously if your pace or naggy you're fine with it because otherwise you're gone but what do you think about it I think yeah, you got to make that trade. You know, this it's you. You just got to do it. You got to do whatever it takes to get the best possible quarterback this year, because you're not going to win with uh, Marcus Mariota or an Andy Dalton at QB. <clears throat> you just you got to pull the trigger. But you know, this team is they have a lot of pretty heavy contracts on their books. It's going to be hard to make space for a Watson. You got to give up a lot of people probably. Probably not going to get filled in the way of an offensive tackle. Probably can't. Um, no, sorry. That was – sorry. Can't probably trade for Trent Brown. You're probably going to have a lot more holes on the roster. And when you look at the Bears pending for agents, they got a lot of snaps to replace. They're losing a lot of guys, and it's going to be tough. So whatever decision you make, you got to just follow through with it and hope it works out. Absolutely. And 
There's also been talks about Russell Wilson potentially being a trade piece from Seattle to Chicago. There's been talks that he really is enticed by the opportunity to, you know, kind of fix Chicago's woes. Do you think that that's another piece that even though he's not as young as a Watson, that if they're willing to part with Russell Wilson, they would be the Bears should be willing to part with any picks possible. Yeah. Russell Wilson, absolutely. And we kind of seen Russell Wilson elevate some poor wide receiver play in the past. Well, not poor, just, you know, kind of elevate his wide receivers past the um, maybe natural talent that they have. So when you add Russell Wilson to this group, compared to like a Mac Jones, for example, that I would definitely have more confidence in Russell Wilson succeeding in the scheme than a Mac Jones. Absolutely. We are going to be heading out of here, though. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to everyone in the comment section for contributing today. Thank you to everyone who watched. Thank you to Landry Football for the platform to talk about it. Destination Draft Day. It's long road to the NFL Draft, but we'll get you there. We're at about 50 days left, so start marking your calendars because it's time. Destination Draft Day, though. Pro football, college football, NFL Draft, we got you covered. Thank you to everyone, and take care. Have a good Monday. See you Friday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.